Welcome back to A Bit of Fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I'm glad you're here. It's time for episode five and a lot of girl power. Now, just as a reminder, this podcast is all about a summer movie challenge, at least this first season. I've got some other seasons planned, guys, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, But I'm watching 48 animated Disney movies over the course of the next couple months, and I thought I would take you along for the ride. Some I love, some I don't love so much, some I've never seen, which is really interesting. I don't know how that's possible. But it's been a lot of fun, and we are heading into Moana today, another one of my favorites. Just a reminder that if you would like to watch along with me, there's a printable copy of the challenge list available on my newsletter, justkeepswimming.substack.com, or in the show notes. And if there's anything on the list that you think I should talk about, make sure to let me know. I would love to get that feedback and know what you guys want to listen to. So Moana, when it came out in 2016, it wasn't really on my radar. I mean, it looked fine in the trailers. It was pretty. It was colorful. I assumed there was going to be some sort of adventure on water, but I wasn't dying to see it. Definitely didn't go to the theater for the big screen experience. But then I did watch it, and I've watched it at least 25 times since. It's just not your typical Disney princess story. She's not a princess, which we'll talk more about because that really got me excited. (laughs) There are so few female Disney characters that really have any agency over their lives. They are all, at least at some point, damsels in distress. Cinderella is under the thumb of her stepmother. Snow White never even attempts to stand up to her evil stepmother. Belle trades her life and ends up with Stockholm Syndrome. And poor Jasmine is restricted by the laws of her country and is basically relegated to being just a pretty face or a piece of property that can be bought or sold. Mulan makes a brave decision to fight for her country, but for the better part of the movie, she has to hide who she is. I mean, things usually end up well for the ladies with well, I'm using quotes, meaning that they get the guy, but under different circumstances would they have chosen that life for themselves. That's why Disney animated movies probably need to be watched responsibly. The stories are fun. I love the stories. These are, I grew up with these films. I still watch them today. The music is magic. The artwork is fantastic, but they really should be followed up by a conversation, especially with young girls. What did you love about the movie? What frustrated you? How did some of the characters make you feel? Marrying the prince is fine, but how else might have Cinderella built a future for herself? Snow White was the princess of the kingdom. Instead of hiding, what do you think would have happened if she had stood up for herself and let the kingdom know about the queen's assassination attempt? Jasmine wanted to see change in her kingdom. What are ways she could have gotten involved out in the community? Even though I grew up with these movies, I was never a princess girl, never dressed up as a princess for Halloween, never walked around with a tiara, never used my imagination to pretend I was a member of any royal family, real or imaginary. I was too busy playing with my brother's Transformers or Hot Wheels. I loved the Disney ladies for other reasons. I loved that Belle got her own library. I mean, it's the dream, right? That Jasmine had her own pet tiger, that Mulan got to play with the boys. Despite my tomboy ways, I did get the vibe from Disney and just about any number of movies and TV shows that adulthood meant finding a husband, tending to a home, and having children. Not necessarily that women couldn't do other things, but just that whatever they did was secondary to that template. It's not that I don't want all of those things. I just don't like being told I have to have them. I'm stubborn in that way, that my life is incomplete without them. I think that's what I appreciate about Moana the most. She carves her own path, stands on her own two feet. 
Maybe the husband and kids will come in the future, but it will be a chapter in a life already well lived. You see this a little too in Brave, which I really liked as well. Moana just felt different from the get-go. Why don't we talk a little more about it and why? But first, an overly simplified, adoring summary of Disney's animated feature Moana. A young woman strikes out to return the stolen heart of a god in order to save her people from environmental destruction, all the while dealing with an immature tattooed lug of a demigod. Another very simple plot, but a story filled with a lot of heart and hope, and hopefully we can talk more about that here in a list, because it's time for the list, you guys. I really kind of wish there was music that played right here, like doo to let you know that it was time for a shift in the conversation. Maybe I'll work on that. Anyway, number one, the movie starts with a story, history, a deep and abiding love a culture has for who they are and where they come from. And that history is being shared with a younger generation. Oral storytelling traditions are beautiful, and I love how this story is a reflection of a myth that a particular culture really holds dear, even today. Number two, there are moments in this movie where the animation is absolutely stunning. So at the beginning, you have baby Moana. She listens to the story that her grandmother tells and then wanders off onto the beach, which I don't know where the adults are. They're actually trying to pick up a mess, but you think you would keep an eye on children if you're that close to the water. But she wanders out onto the beach by herself, and after saving a little sea turtle, she meets the water. The ocean itself becomes a character, and it's fantastic. The seas part as she explores the seafloor. She's picking up shells, right? And then you look, and she is surrounded by walls of translucent water with fish and coral and sea turtles swimming all around her. And it's absolutely stunning. I don't know how they did it. It looks so real and just the colors are so vibrant. It's absolutely beautiful. And that is the exact way I would like to experience the ocean, to be able to see the beauty of the depths without actually having to be in it. Doesn't that sound nice? I mean, I watch people that go on these snorkeling adventures and I just don't think I would like to see what I'm actually swimming with. I don't know. I'm not getting any braver as I get older. Number three. The mother is alive. The father is alive. There is a big, supportive community. Dear heavens, it's sad that that is so rare in Disney movies. And it felt like a real family. I mean, it was not perfect by any stretch. The chief is pretty stubborn, and he lets his pride get in the way of really listening and supporting his daughter. But the loss of a family member wasn't a plot point in this one, which was really refreshing. Number four interesting that they gave us two side characters a pig named Pua that you think is going to play a big part because he was in a lot of the publicity materials before the movie came out and then just disappears for 98 percent of the movie and a ridiculous chicken that has more trouble than it's worth and I'm not really sure he was needed unless they just wanted someone else on the boat with Moana from time to time but she also has the water and hey hey I mean, he's kind of awesome. I mean, he is voiced also by Alan Tudyk, which just cracked me up that they brought in this great voice actor for the voice of a chicken that you couldn't even tell it was him. Um, But he too just disappears for most of the movie until towards the end when he catches the heart of Tafiti before it falls off the boat. And then that was, that was all he did. I just, I don't know why the water couldn't have played that part. Not sure why they included T or Hey Hey. I know why they included Tafiti. We'll talk about that. Number five. So 
Grandma Tala sends Moana into the caves where she discovers a fleet of large wayfinding boats. And it's a beautiful scene where she beats a drum and then it, it's like um, almost a, a psychic memory hallucination where she sees who her people once were. How long were those boats in there? They've been in there at least as long as Moana is old because she did not know they were there. Would they still be in that good of condition? They're sitting away from the elements, which I guess is good, but with high tide and storms, I mean, caves still get wet. Wouldn't the wood have been rotted? Wouldn't they have gotten tossed around and kind of destroyed? I find that curious. It is really the only part of the movie that I kind of became obsessed with, that little detail that I just can't let go of that I don't think would really work in reality, but I dwell on it so much even though it doesn't have any real potential importance to the plot itself. I don't know. That's become a theme. That ends up happening a lot, doesn't it? Number six, Moana is being raised to be the chief. Let me repeat that. Moana, the lead character that is also female, is being raised to be a leader. Not to marry one or to submit to one, to lead herself. And they make her competent the whole time. She's a problem solver. She's a believer with a can-do attitude who just loves her community and respects her culture. She doesn't go on the journey to escape a life she doesn't want. She goes running toward the one that she believes will give her people the greatest chance at a future. She's not waiting to be saved. She's going to go do it herself. And I just love that so much. And I love that little girls get to see that. Number seven, an interesting twist with her dad, the chief, and PTSD. I mean, a great conversation could be had about trauma and grief. How, if not dealt with, can close you off from the world and all of its possibilities. He did not want Moana to go past the reef because of something he experienced when he was younger that has stayed with him and it's really kept him from moving his people forward in ways that might be beneficial to them. Number eight, perfect choices for voice actors. Of course, Dwayne Johnson is Maui, but also Rachel House is Grandma Tala. If you haven't seen her in Hunt for the Wilder People, you're missing out. So glad they use Pacific Islander actors to voice just about every single character. Number nine, last episode, I mentioned my distaste for Frozen, which you'll get to hear all about in an upcoming episode. But another unpopular opinion, Moana's song, How Far I'll Go, is hands down a better song than Let It Go. It's a song about running towards something instead of away. Elsa might finally be standing in her truth. I am not a fan of that saying. But Moana is and has always lived hers. She is Moana Amantanui. Number 10, I love her rejection of being called a princess. Again, a term in Disney speak that doesn't give the female any power or ownership of their lives. It's passive. She's a chief's daughter. She's the future leader of her people. She alone will rule and was born to it. And I love how she stands up to Maui and says, I am not a princess. I am the daughter of the chief. Number 11, the whole premise of the story, a God who gives abundance to the world is without a heart and becomes a terrifying fire creature who destroys, ends up being a really beautiful story. We all lose our way sometimes, and sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are. Moana reminds Maui that he is more than just his hook. Grandma Tala, she reminds Moana that she is capable and strong. 
And Moana reminds Tafiti that she is that giver of abundance. It's also a story of forgiveness, too. Maui forgives himself for his past. Tafiti forgives Maui for his past. And at the very end, they re you kind of realize that the chief also forgives himself for his past as he strikes out on a new adventure past the reef with his people. And number 12, there's no love story. I like a good love story. No, no, I love a good love story, but I also really enjoy seeing strong, independent women doing their thing without apology. She is whole and complete exactly as she is, trusted and respected exactly as she is. There is no child bride here. Thank goodness. So what else can we take from Moana? Cue other music that I want to put right here that we're changing the topic just a little bit. I'm working on this, guys. We're going to get there. First of all, listen to your elders. Their stories are important. Take them to heart. Yeah, they might be long sometimes. You might feel like you're stuck and never getting away. But one day, those elders, those family historians won't be around. Don't let their stories disappear when they're gone. I had an Aunt Jean. I had two Aunt Jeans, but I had one Aunt Jean in particular who loved to tell stories and go through old photos, one of her favorite things to do. She was our archive, our keeper of memories, and not only do we miss her terribly, but we miss having that go-to one person who could fill in the gaps when we want to try to remember something. Learn to just sit and listen. Another lesson, don't let things that scare you stop you from achieving your dreams or goals. Maybe even your destiny, if you believe in such things. When the waves crash your boat, flip it back over, get back on, and try again. Yes, this is easier said than done, especially if anxiety is a constant partner. But believe in yourself. Moana has one moment of doubt. One moment when the task and the journey, they just feel too big. Kind of her Frodo moment. I wish the ring hadn't come to me. But then she remembers who she is and turns back around. Be stubborn. Stand up for yourself. And finally, there is a big, beautiful world out there. Don't be afraid to get to the other side of the reef. It might not always be smooth sailing, but it will be worth it in the end. You'll see things you never imagined. Meet amazing people. Feel a part of this great story that's being written every day. And then you can go home. <laughs> And that's always nice sometimes after a trip, whether that's a place or a group of people, but you'll have those memories that will stay with you forever. Moana gets a high rewatchability score. I mean, it moves fast, it's funny, and it's filled with adventure. I love the exploration of the culture. It's the only animated Disney movie that I can really think of where that is an actual focus. I found this great article in Vanity Fair about Disney and how they kind of finally did it right or are taking steps to doing it right. They sought out the expertise from Pacific Islanders to preserve the mythology and the aesthetic and the heart of their culture. There was this great quote that said, fine attention to detail and constant feedback from the Oceanic Trust helped shape the film on every level. Notes from the trust on the kind of curtains in Moana's home, the pits used to cook fire, the inaccurate lyrics about coconut husks all resulted in minuscule tweaks that would mean nothing to audiences unfamiliar with the culture, but made all the difference to the trust. I guess there was this scene in that Moana, she gets upset and she throws a temper tantrum and she hurls coconuts down on the sand because she's angry, but that was cut because um, it raised a red flag to the trust. The, the calling of 
waste of the sacred coconut was really offensive. And I just really appreciate that attention to detail. I think that's fantastic. So just as a review, some of my favorite scenes, favorite songs, some favorite quotes, we're going to add that here to the pod. My favorite scene and favorite song go together. And it's at the very end of the movie when Moana has climbed up to the top of the mountain. She's holding the heart of Tafiti, thinking that that's where she needs to put it, only to realize that Tafiti is gone. And then she turns around and sees, she sees Teka and asks the water to part so that she can bring the heart, realizing that Teka is actually Tafiti. And then as she's walking, she is singing, I am Moana, but it's this beautiful um instrumental slow it's considered the song of the ancestors and i love that that she is walking confidently knowing what she has to do she's also facing down something that she fears without hesitation because she knows it's the right thing to do it's just a beautiful moment between teka and moana um and just it's just beautifully animated too. It brings tears to my eyes. So that's my favorite song in the movie and also one of my favorite scenes. My favorite quote though is Tamatoa. He's the giant crab that they go to um, so that they can retrieve Maui's hook. And Tamatoa at one point says, are you just trying to get me to talk about myself? Because if you are, I will gladly do so in song form. And that's one of the best, Shiny is one of the best songs in the movie too. Tamatoa is was fantastic. Such a great inclusion to the movie. Quick rundown of what else I watched. Well, I only managed to mark off this one and the Aristocats for Friday's podcast. Just one of those busy kind of weeks. I don't know if I'm going to make it through all 48 titles, guys, but we're going to give it the best try possible. I also had to make time for Loki on Disney Plus on Wednesday evening and It got off to a fun, strong start. It was really fun to see Owen Wilson involved. And of course, Tom Hiddleston is just pretty. Anyway, thanks for joining me today. I will be back next Friday with a new episode. I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. The podcast is now available just about everywhere. And if you've got the time, it would be really awesome if you could rate and review the podcast. Only if it's nice, please. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM. I have extra posts about the podcast, and I also talk about my newsletter, Just Keep Swimming, and on Facebook as A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time. Bye.